Welcome in, Texan All Access. I'm Indy Kalu, joined by Drew Doherty and the OG himself, Mark Vandermeer. Whoa, What's going whoa, on, whoa, Mark? Whoa. OG. <laughs> the OG. I, I don't know whether to be flattered or how I feel about this, but I'll take it, Indy. That's good. You know what? How about this? And maybe this is an original. How about mm. the OV? The OV. You, you know, know what that stands for? Uh, it sounds kind of like an OBGY, like ovarian. No, so I don't OG, like it. I don't like it at all for o, me. OG's original gangster. Yeah, original so, voice. There you go. Or it's original Vandermeer, yeah. So yeah. one of the guys down the hall, because we have the national championship here, so we have all this extra security this week, and one of the guys knows me from whatever, and he said, V-O-T. And I'm thinking, V-O-T, oh, Voice of the Texans. That's an acronym. <laughs> that is not That's bad. Not bad. That's I'm not bad at all. I'm stealing that one, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I like that. V-O-T or O-V. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have to do a vote one day mm-hmm. to see uh, w- which one you're going to get tatted on your chest. I know. And I, I can't do it myself. <laughs> so uh, somebody's going to have to decide for me. Then I'll get the tattoo. He has a dragon with double D breasts mm. on his back. Oh, so. really? No, that's an eagle. <laughs> get it right. It's a gigantic eagle. Okay? That sounds like some of the Philly fans that I used to see back in the day. But speaking of fans, uh, the fans here in Houston definitely excited. Not only did the Houston Texans secure that winning season, but... We're actually playing meaningful football in January. It means a lot. And, ND, you never played in the 17-game season. So for your body clock, this has to be what it is for me, really, because the Texans have never had this playoff opportunity in a 17-game season because we've only had a couple of years of it. It feels like a playoff game because it is win or go home, and it is the first weekend in January non-New Year's weekend, and that's how it's traditionally been in a 16-game season. No, it's absolutely a playoff game. And as far as it being uh, week 17, they're just going to adjust. The adrenaline, the excitement of the game, I don't think any guy, no matter what pains they're suffering through, is going to be thinking to themselves how late in the season it is. They're just thinking we have to get this victory and get into the quote-unquote real playoffs. Think about how wild this whole scenario is. So the next-to-last game last year, you play a divisional opponent, and you get blasted. It was either New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Jacksonville. Against the Jaguars. They kill you. So you have to go to Indianapolis to finish your season. Last year, you headed into Indianapolis 2-13-1. and Dark, dark times. This year, you blast the divisional opponent. You only give up three. You had only scored last uh, three last year. And now you're headed to Indy. And if you took all the ramifications draft-wise out of last year's matchup and just watched that game clinically... You'd have been like, that's a that's a great game. That's a heck of a it's a back and forth. There's stuff at the end, you know, the the fourth and longs, two of them, and they comp- and now a year later they're playing for the playoffs when both teams were jockeying for one, two, three, or four in the uh, the draft order. When you think about the direction of the team, I know before the season, not to keep my standards too low, my yeah. thought, man, if they could get six or seven wins, that would be an awesome year. And now we're sitting at nine wins and actually playing for a playoff. And when you listen to D'Amico, when you hear him talk, when you see him away from the cameras, the microphone, he's not sitting back putting his feet on the table saying, I've done my job. He, If he doesn't get into the playoffs, he's going to feel like this has been a failure for him. Well, I think – For you as a former player, I want to talk to you from this angle, which is you don't get this very often. Look, if you're the Chiefs, if you're the Patriots, certain teams, the Eagles now maybe. I mean, I don't have to list all of them, but you have to take advantage of every time you are here. And here meaning you're winning it and and who knows from there. So you've got to be able to take advantage of that. Here's the other aspect. 
You have all these one-year free agents, and Stroud is speaking about them sort of, hey, we want to make the most of this because we have these guys here. Whatever this team is in 2024, it's going to be different. No, no matter how you want to romanticize it and say, oh, we're going to bring this guy back, bring that guy back. There are so many guys, like you mentioned, Mark, on these one-year deals that have meant so much for this season. But the reality is they need to bring in some guys and sign some long-term deals. So you're going to miss out on some of those. So with what you mentioned about C.J. Stroud, I've been through it. Where And, and here's the thing. The cool thing about even with a young NFL team they all know this is a business. When, when they're in the locker room and they're looking around and they really enjoy one another, they know that it's going to look different. So they want to get as much as they can out of this season. And they, they already feel how special this year is. So they want to ride that way for as long as it's going to last. And that's one of the many things that's going to motivate them going against the Colts. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable here. And Stroud say that, not remarkable, but a reminder, they're, nobody's thinking about the future around right. here. They're mm-hmm. thinking about right now. And I think we all would agree we thought this team was going to be better and markedly better than what it was last year. I I wasn't stunned once we got to about mid-July, late July. I w- I'm not stunned by what we're seeing now because I thought, th- you know, they could be pretty really? good. Yeah, wait, I, wait, July? Before I, Yes, I started around OTAs. I started having a feeling that was very similar to the feeling that kind of came on in November, December of, of 11, of the 2011. Mm-hmm. This Felt like the 11 bunch because wow. D'Amico was here. It was a likable team. There was looked like there were going to be weapons. Looked like the defense was going to be a lot better. And everyone was sleeping on that 11 bunch because the 10 team had been so putrid on defense. And it, I know it's different, but I started having feelings like this feels similar to 11. I don't know that they're going to win and be a playoff team. But it's going to feel like a kind of rejuvenation, which is what we saw back then. You, you know what? I felt good about this team in the summer. If they were quote unquote healthy, if yeah. you told me Damian Pierce wouldn't be the same Damian Pierce uh, that, that we saw stunned last year, if you told me that you were going to have to play musical chairs with the offensive line, I would have thought, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. But even with those things, even with that being said, for them to have the success that they've had, that's a pleasant surprise for me. I, I wish I wish I could say, oh, D'Amico's my boy. I knew no matter what, right. you know, they mm-hmm. were going to go out there and have a chance to play for a playoff game in the last regular season game. But once you factor in the injuries, uh, especially the offensive line, that, that's where I feel like, to me, and this is coming from a defensive lineman, I feel like the most important position group outside of your quarterback room on a team is your offensive line. And if you told me that they were going to be shuffling the way they were, I would have thought, oh, okay, well, maybe the next season. Yeah, and more shuffling the last game, right? When you look at they didn't even have Fant on the team during OTAs, yeah. right? And then you think about Scotty Quesenberry going down, going through four centers and all of that. You just never expected stuff like that. But as far as whether the team's good and how much better they are, look, going from 2021 into 2022, I thought that team would be a lot better. I didn't know how much better the record would be because you just never know. They got blown out in so many games in 21, and they were better. I think they were a better team last year yes. than they were the year before, even though they won one few, one less game and they had that tie because they had many more close games. They're right there with the Chiefs. They're right there with the Cowboys. Uh, several other instances, Denver, Chicago. I don't have to list them all. I thought they were a better team last year than the year before, but the record didn't reflect it. So this year I thought they're going to be better than they were in 2022. 
But how much better will the record be? I thought if they double the win total, go to six, maybe seven, that'd be really cool. Can we flirt with eight down the stretch? And here they are. Like you said, ND, they're sitting at nine. They could go to 10 and get into the postseason. Pinch me. This is unbelievable that this has happened. And I give credit to so many people. I think D'Amico Ryans is really number one. Uh, CJ Stroud has been amazing. And that probably makes you know, it doesn't probably it makes a huge difference but it all starts at the top here with the head coach i'm gonna go a little bit above that okay it starts with ownership and this isn't me they made the move yeah this isn't pandering but on draft day i'm going back to the excitement of draft day and i've told the story once or twice before that's kind of why i think it's been like this because i that wave that ebb has not died Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's diminished slightly because it's never going to be the same as that night but that's what's driven a lot of this this uh, optimism for me. Yeah, no, and that's that's when it's really truly started for me. So they draft C.J. Stroud. We were somewhat expecting that when you know, if you want to debate who they were looking at, it doesn't matter. They drafted C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. so you're excited about that. And I'll never forget. I'm at the uh, Texan event. I, I forgot exactly what I was doing on draft day, and I looked <laughs> at my phone. And my son, who was with me, said, oh, the Texans moved up. They have another pick. And I, I, I'll never forget, and I still need to apologize to him. And I said, you idiot, quit looking at social media. There's no way they're drafting. <laughs> There's no way they're drafting again right this now. This doesn't happen. Yeah, it just Two doesn't and three. happen. Yeah. So I go back to doing what I was doing, and then I hear the crowd roar because at that event they mentioned the trade and the Texans moved up. And when they selected Will Anderson, I didn't care if it worked or not. I just said, you know what? To make that type of aggressive move, things are changing. Things are changing for the better. I don't know who pulled the trigger, but you know somebody upstairs from here. And that's where I felt like things have changed. Regardless of win losses, regardless of who else they drafted, I just knew it was going to be a new day here. And you add in Tank Dell, which was huge. If you watch that guy play at U of H, you were you were super excited to see him get added to this team and know what, what he was going to bring to the mix. But then... Those two guys, they get drafted at the top. They get elected captains before the season. That's enormous. That is, That's a good point. I don't remember rookies being voted as captains around here. Maybe it's happened before. I don't think so. I don't so. remember. Bill O'Brien even, didn't do captains for a decade. Even D'Amico, who they literally called yes. cap, I don't think he was a captain yet on exactly. that team. And he took the, the defense by the throat when he got here. And, and I mean, he was in charge, you know? No, that, that was my – You know, obviously, I played with D'Amico, and as mature as he was – we we didn't even think to you know name a rookie captain. Right. And, and, yeah, and, you you ever did, and you named two was, this year. I mean that's how wild that is. It, it just goes to let you know exactly. It's just a and, and keep in mind, it's not like it's the coach naming right. The captain that's what where, I'm saying. You know, people on the outside looking in. Oh, that's just a coach forcing certain right. guys on the team. That's the actual team. That's the guys who are four, five, six years older than these rookies saying, no, he's going to be our leader this year. I'm glad you brought up ownership because hiring D'Amico in the first place and Nick Casario is already here and the music they've made together because that is no small thing. The free agents they picked up and obviously they discuss these things collectively. Nick's not going to sign. I got to, I want to sign Dalton Schultz, even though you hate him. It's not going to happen. All right. They all have to agree that these are the right guys to go after, but the acquisitions during along the way, I talked about Fant, and then you look about you look at the safeties. You look at bringing in Kareem, and again, there's familiarity there. But Adrian Amos, good pickup as well for depth purposes. Derek Barnett is making plays for yep. you at defensive end when you desperately need help at that spot. The list goes on. Now I mean, Shaq Griffin came and went, but he mm-hmm. was really good for your team for a uh, more than a minute or two here. And Tier Tart. And let's do let's do another thing. Let's remind everyone out there, gentle listener. Okay, 
when free agency comes this month in March, oh my gosh. and it's that first day and that first second day, if the Texans don't sign anyone, don't panic. Don't say this is the stupidest oh, yeah, ownership yeah, group. Yeah. Don't say these are dummies <laughs> for not doing it. Yeah. Do not panic. None of the guys on this current team were signed that first, second, third day of free agency. They were all a week or so later when they were added in. Dalton Schultz, like you mentioned, Sheldon Rank. I mean, they have Denzel Perryman. The list goes on and on. Devin Jimmy Singletary. Ward, guys who were captains. Enormous, enormous pickups who have been big-time reasons for this team succeeding. There, a lot of them are one-year deals, but... Don't forget that a lot of good can come in free agency and a lot of good comes a week or so or two weeks into it. That's how you build a team, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's always cool to have that one huge splash yeah. and everyone gets excited. But when you talk about building a team and look, I'll go back to the other general manager, uh, Rick Smith. One of the best moves that I thought he made is when everybody wanted Namdi Asamoah. Yes. And, you know, my Nigerian-American brother, I wouldn't have minded seeing him come <laughs> here. But to me, the smart move was, okay, the money that you're going to pay that one person, why don't we go get Daniel Manning and Jonathan Joseph, right. who should be in the Houston Texan Ring of Honor, you know, within the next five years. <laughs> like, that's how you build teams. You don't just go for that one big-name splash. You, you, you go get the uh, uh, rankings. You go get uh, and bring in and retain, you know, some of the guys that have proven themselves that aren't going to just kill uh, or you're not going to have to back up the Brinks truck for it. I love your personal campaign to get J. Joe into the ring of honor, by the way. <laughs> I've heard this before. I've heard this before. And uh, look, J. Joe has been a tremendous Houston Texan. I'll say this about J. Joe. And I'm a little bit biased, but it's not like we're, we didn't even play together. Yeah, so it's not like right. we're buddies. You know, I have a respect for him. He's done uh, some of my podcasts. But I almost forget how good he was for the Texans until I go back and look at the stats and look at how long he's he the was greatest here. corner to ever play here. Yes, yeah. and you you, you hear that question. you're like, yeah. uh, is that right? Then you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, that's by far. He and he is. still has the interception record. Yep. But if Kareem gets one, he ties him. Uh, if he gets two, he breaks the record. What if he has two picks? If he gets two in pick the finale? sixes, he breaks both of those records because he's one behind him in each of. He, both pick six and, and all-time interceptions. Yeah, I'll take two pick sixes on <laughs> Saturday. Thank you. Let's yes, do it. Sure. I asked, Please. I asked Sign me up about for that. that after the game. I was like, hey, because uh, I was talking about the Sheldon Rankins touchdown. I said, well, you know a thing or two about scoring. He kind of smiles. And I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you could hear the smile on the interview, but, yeah, he, he lit up when talking about that. Well, and, I heard that interview. I played that interview. And Kareem's very deferential. Hey, I'm just here to help yes, the team. Yes, he is. He and, is. Do what I can because I saw him. I'm looking. I've got my binoculars. I'm calling the game, and I have to focus on the ball at all times, obviously. But I'm looking back in the secondary when he's out there. And he's talking to Petrie, and you could tell they were talking about. All right, what's this one? Where am I lined up here? What's what's the call here? He's getting it right, right. as he's going because he's brand new to this yeah. system. And hopefully, one game in, gets his feet wet, plays a little more against the Colts. That, that's humbling when when you've been somewhere for so long. You go away. And then you come back and, you know, they're already having success. It's like, yeah. okay, even though I've been here, I got to kind of find my find my lane and fit in. Yeah. And we've been, look, on the business ops side and marketing and everything, content creation, he had KJAC TV, which was strong content yes. for us. Now, we're not back up to that level yet because it, it's been a process of getting to know the young guys the last couple of years. You wouldn't have done something like that with all the losing. <laughs> this year, you'd think about it, of course. And we do something social media-ish about that on Fridays. But there's a spot for that. Now, I'm not saying KJAC's going to be around here for another three to five years. Who knows what happens after this season. But I wanted to ask you this, Andy. How do those one-year guys feel right now? Because they know that the next loss, they're free. And free is a word that 
I hesitate to use because maybe they really want to be here, but there's also a financial element to it. There's a business element, marketplace element to it. The agent, hey, I got an offer from Team X, and they really want you because they're willing to offer this. And very often in, in these free agent sweepstakes, the winner of that, especially early on in free agency, is the one who, I don't want, I, I hate to use the word overpay, but they pay the most right, and right. whatever that entails. Right now, I think similar to what y'all mentioned with CJ's thought on this season, a lot of those guys are thinking, let's get as far as we can in this season. This is a mm -hmm. magical run. Let's keep it going. And then once the season's over, they're really going to sit down and talk to their agent and think about, okay, did I earn money? Did I lose money with this year of play? There, oh, there's okay. a couple of guys, you know, Dalton Schultz might be saying, okay, you know what? I've proven myself, and now I'm right. going to go get a multi-year deal, deal somewhere else. There are guys, Cashman, and I don't like naming it because I don't yeah. like thinking of them with other players. Don't give them the I mean, publicity. Yeah, <laughs> even though I love what, they, what they've done and what they were able to accomplish. But there's multiple guys. I think right now the majority of them are saying, man, let, I'll think about the money. I'll think okay. about – uh, the multi-year deal later. I want to continue this ride because it's been such a magical ride. I got another one since we have a former player here who would know. Uh, we all know that it's all about the team and winning is beautiful and it's exhilarating and what a rush and all that. How much is playoff money a motivator to the players? The reason it's not much is because of how much money they make now. Okay. I don't know. I know when I was playing, uh, and some people call me cheap. I like to say frugal. I, I like to say I appreciate every dollar. Budget but, conscious. Right. But we would get, like, I think it was 25000 for the first yeah. round. So I was loving that. But sure. the guys like John Runyon, who was yeah. making $10 million, if I'm not mistaken, I think he left in his, his glove compartment once that check. Money. And, and I saw it. I'm like, hey, John, aren't you going to cash this? He's like, oh, I forgot about that. So there, there are some guys. Yeah, you know, the Lemmy Tunsils of the world, yeah, yeah. they're not going to be motivated by the playoff right. money. But the Khalil Davises. I needed to pay that? my pool guy. Yeah. But Khalil <laughs> Davis, who's coming from the USF, oh, yeah. USFL, who's also probably made some money for himself, yeah. he's absolutely going to appreciate that. Oh, good point about Khalil Davis. Oh, what he's a great one story. Of them. He's, he's risen up. That D-line. Look, you have to play with all the injuries they've had, and he's played well. We saw it in the preseason. And D'Amico put a big emphasis on that. Like, day one at that press conference, like, we've got to be good in the trenches, especially up front. And talking about the defense, They've been the engine to success this year on that side of the ball, haven't they? Go, yes, they have. And going back to Khalil Davis, you know, we talk about these multi-year deals. And I love these stories, you know, as a fifth-round mm -hmm. pick. And I think I had to wait like four years before I was able to get my long-term deal. I love the Khalil Davis-type stories. He's a guy that would be relatively easy for the Texans to keep. You, you know, they okay. can offer him money that he'll appreciate mm -hmm. and it'll be very team-friendly. Like, he's a guy that – He's really proven himself. He made Roy Lopez expendable. And I, I was a Roy Lopez sure. fan. He like, yeah, I was, a good player. Yeah. And that, that's also the sign of a team going in the right direction. When you're cutting guys that were meant a lot to the community, were good guys and good players because you have other guys who are, you know, outplaying them. And I think he landed in Arizona with the mm -hmm. Cardinals and he, he's having some success there. But my point is, um, with, with the Khalil Davises of the world, I think those are going to be the guys that – they're not going to give you any kind of discount, mm -hmm. but he's going to appreciate when, when and if, you know, I don't want to speak over my, you know, position, when and if the Texans come to him and offer him something, he's going to remember, like, you know what, I was playing in the USFL and they gave me a chance not just to be a mm -hmm. camp body, but to actually, you know, make the team, be a part of the team. So 
he's a he's a guy that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a three four year very team friendly type deal, and it's going to continue to make the team better, like a Malik Collins. It's really interesting in that whole position group, whether it's end or inside, because in the last three years we've seen a lot of guys roll through here, and yeah. guys who have made plays. Jaleel Johnson's on the Titans now. Uh, Taylor Stallworth was here for fifteen minutes. He made plays while he was here. Uh, Ross Blacklock on the Titans. By the way, that's a weird dynamic having yeah. all those former Texans. They get Garrett Wallows in the lineup, and we've got Tart. It's just bizarro world. Never mind all the coaches that the Titans have. Former Texans employee reunion in Nashville. I mean, I just scanned through that coaching roster, and it's wild. I mean, it's all over the place, including Pat O'Hara, who is in all those Hollywood movies, and you know, I'm obsessed with him. Well, if they're going to steal the oil of colors, they said hey, we might as well uh, steal some coaches and, and some players to go along with it. But uh, no, no, I, I think he's just familiar. He being Vrabel, familiar with a lot yeah. of those guys. And when you're in the NFL, you want guys that you can trust. It's it, the division know. thing, too, yeah. because yeah. I, my kid was asking me the other day, he said, well, why do teams sign players in their division? I'm glad you asked, son, <laughs> because you're watching more tape from teams in your division. So you see those players playing the teams that you're going to play. You see their team twice a year you see the other teams that they face so you see them on tape constantly and you feel like they're family and that's why they bring in and i notice it all the time patriots will bring in former jets and dolphins vice versa you see it in the nfc east you see it in every division you know it's funny you bring that up because i went from so i was drafted by philly yeah then my second year i was released i was cut I was fired. I was kicked out of the door. Fired. And then Washington picked me up. And I'll never forget, Norv was like, hey, we watched all your preseason games. What happened? There it is. And then after three years in Washington, I go back to Philly. And they're like, hey, we love what we saw on film. <laughs> so it's just like you said. And it's not just the uh, the actual scouting. It's just when mm -hmm. you're you know watching and getting ready for a game, if guys continue to show up uh, within the division, you're more likely to stay within the division. I can't do a show with you without like interviewing you a part of the time. Uh, how was it? How did it feel when you got back to Texas to play here because from San Antonio? That was a dream come true. Not, not mm -hmm. just being from San Antonio, but going to Rice. Rice. Uh, even when I was playing in Philly, my house was in Missouri City. Like I'm a mm. Houstonian, so okay. I'm a Houston first. So for me, you, you know, I always tell everyone that Michael Strahan. That the way he retired is the outlier. That's how you write it in a fictional story. Mm -hmm. But for me, it felt like a dream come true to play my last three years, you know, in my hometown, to have my parents come to the games. After mm -hmm. the game, I would actually go to my parents' house, eat some homemade food. And it, it was just a beautiful uh, uh, way for me to end my career. Then Coach Kubiak, I can't say enough positive things about him just to play for a guy like that. There's a reason mm -hmm. why. Uh, D'Amico called him up, you know, as soon as he was hired. There, there's a reason why you can't find a player to say anything negative about Kubiak. So for me personally, it, it was just a, a great way to end the career. It is random. But why did you choose Missouri City before you even played here? I know there's there's a lot of current and former athletes that live there, but what was your reasoning for for Missouri City? You know, the land then was cheap. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, okay. you, you yeah, get yeah. a you're, you're sitting on an acre and. But how'd you it, hear about it? I mean, being in Philly, you know, Washington, all those places. So when I was in Philly, that's a great question. My brother-in-law or ex-brother-in-law at the time was a realtor, <laughs> oh, okay. and he was just showing my family around when I was still in Philly. And then uh, when I saw the piece of land, just kind of fell in love with it. And gotcha. Lamar yeah. Latham was my next-door neighbor on one Houston side. Oiler, yeah. Robert Smith was my <laughs> next-door neighbor oh, yeah. on the other side. Then A-Train, Anthony Thomas, uh, mm -hmm. former Michigan star. Uh, he's two doors down. So 
it just felt like family when you know when I met my neighbors. This city is loaded with former players oh, and yeah. some that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. That you know they live their lives and there's not a lot of publicity. I mean, I see a lot of guys at these touchdown club events or the Tax Act Texas Bowl reception a few weeks ago. Saw some players there, uh, but it, it's just loaded with even more of them. NBA guys. Nick Van Exel lived here forever. I don't know if he's still here. I once hit his house on the 18th tee at <laughs> Royal Oak. Sorry, Nick. I don't think I did any damage. There might be a mark. Sorry. It's a great look. Houston is a great place to live. I, I've lived in Ashburn, Virginia, which is a picturesque. I don't know if you've ever been to Ashburn, Northern Virginia. Yeah. It, it's it's beautiful. It's suburban D.C., right? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, lived in Philly, lived in South mm-hmm. Jersey. I mean, you've lived all over, but to me, there's no place like Houston. It, it's it's just the best city in the world. It's Tangent Tuesday, so we're allowed to talk about this. Uh, I'm officially going to name it Tangent Tuesday, like by the way, because wait till the next hour. We're going to go. Johnny and I are going to go Tangent City. But I think that um, with Houston, I tell people sometimes it's a great place to live, not necessarily the greatest place to visit, because if you're not into golf, sports, if you don't have people here that you love, Look, you can do fun things here, but it's not like going to some other. It's not New Orleans. It's not Miami. It's not San Francisco. It's not one of these places, right? But it's a great place to live. And Chris Vaughn, who used to be my insurance guy, I think he retired now, but he used to tell me when I first moved here, he said, this is the greatest city in America. And he lived in Miami and Boston mm. and all these other places I lived. I said, what? He's, and I was here. I, wa- I was all in because I wanted to be with the Texans. He said, you're going to see this is the greatest city in America. And I thought... What a title. But I can see it because it's a lifestyle. You can create your own life here, and there's a laid-back element to it. It's Maybe because I'm such a homebody, but what you said, like – the places like uh, what's it called in New Orleans? Um, uh, the Bourbon, Bourbon Street. Street. Yeah, 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 like for that doesn't really appeal uh, yeah. to me. But you can do whatever you want. Like there's plays, there's uh, yeah, uh, opera, like whatever mm-hmm. you want. They have something going on in Houston if you want to test it out. There's the no hockey though, ND. We need hockey back. They had, you know what, the arrows. Yeah, we used to have <laughs> yeah, the arrows. Yeah, I, I actually had a chance to practice with them once. And what? When I said I was sore in places that I didn't even know I had muscles, <laughs> that hockey. You taught me something about your body. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. You practiced with the arrows? You're, when you're telling us when this you're now? No, I was, uh, I guess I could say, because I think I was on 610 at the time. Yeah. So I was saying one of my tangents, I was talking mm-hmm. about how people don't give hockey enough respect because it's better in person than it's on television. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody from their office has heard it and they appreciated it. So they invited me to drop the puck and everything. And then I came out to a practice. They taught me how to skate. And you would lose, both of y'all would lose all respect for me as an athlete if you saw me <laughs> day one on ice. Wait, had you, because, phenomenal oh, athletes, yeah. Yeah. had you ever skated before? Oh, never. Oh, okay. But That's tough. Yeah, That's it, it tough. was tough. Yeah, my lower back was. You can't practice with them if you've never skated. Well, I say practice. They showed me how to yeah. skate. They were probably yeah. like, oh, this guy played in the NFL uh, and he's looking like this. But uh, no, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Those guys, I mean, I'm a decent skater and I can skate backwards. Those guys can. Oh. Those guys are like Dorothy Hamill, Peggy Fleming, and uh, Nancy Kerrigan rolled into one as far as their skating ability. Plus, they're linebackers on skates so they're unbelievable marksmen too yeah yeah, it's it's fun it's fun to watch i'd love to be um i don't know i'd love to be going to some games like maybe a couple of games a year if we still had the arrows here would be nice all right we will take a quick timeout on texan all access i'm indy kalu he's drew doherty mark vandermeer the ov right here on (laughs) sports radio 610 
Welcome in, welcome back, Texan All Access. I am Indy, he's Mark Drew to the right of me. You are you, and we appreciate you listening in, and we appreciate the excitement in the air with the Houston Texans. Mm. And I'm calling this, I'm calling it a playoff game. The definition of a playoff game is you win, you're in, yeah. you're, you lose, you're out. And that's exactly what, what we're going to see when the Texans take on the Colts this Saturday. Are, are y'all feeling the Saturday time slot? Dude, I have to be, I have a cinder block tied to my foot here, so I stay on the ground. This is this is unbelievable to be playing the Colts in this context. And listen, I, I can't I can't really go there yet, but just think about it. You get this one, you celebrate on their field, you've knocked them out of the postseason party, and you're in. There could be really nothing sweeter. Honestly. The first playoff game in Texans history was ultra sweet. And that was an actual playoff game, beating the Bengals. And look, I love them all. It's hard to compare. But as far as erasing so many of the painful memories with the horseshoe, this would almost wipe them all out. I mean, to knock them out and you're going, bye, that will be awesome. I really am praying it happens. How can you not be excited about this? It's the only time all year you're not playing at noon central time, which is wild. I mean... Mm -hmm. It's like you said, you don't win, you're coming home. There's so much to play for. And I was asked this by someone with the Colts earlier today. It's like, hey, what's uh, what's the mood of the locker room? Well, after the win, I mean, every, every locker room is going to be fun. But yeah. this is a confident team. Yeah. Now they got C.J. Stroud back, they think, hey, we can beat anybody. And why can't mm -hmm. they? Why can they not? I've heard some people say, oh, well, if you don't really want the Jaguars to lose and you don't want to win because then you'd have to come home and then you'd have to play the Browns. Well, why the hell not? Right. Oh, yeah. You can oh, beat the, Brown, the, the Browns. Browns again. Who yeah. was quarterback when the Texans played the Browns? Not C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. You also didn't have Willie Anderson, who was back and had two sacks in 11 snaps or whatever. on, on the. I mean, there's so much going for you right now. This is going to be awesome. And get a chance to sleep in on the road. I'm not uh, I'm not too shy <laughs> sad about that. So Now, for the for the listeners, just to make sure, what, what's the Colts? Uh, they win, are they automatically in? Or do they automatically help? Thing. So same it's thing just the us. exact same. Had the, Bengals, sure. had the Bengals won, they would need the Bengals to lose with a win, I yeah. believe. There was something about that. But no, now it's both teams. It's very clear winning in. And I think that, I'll get into this more next hour, but I think that the league or the people who cover the league, like ESPN, NFL Network, when they put the in the hunt stuff up there, mm -hmm. They're not really doing it justice. Texans are in the hunt. Colts are in the playoffs. If the season ended today, it doesn't end today. Right. All right? The Colts have to play the Texans, so it's either or. Texans or Colts, and they should put them both right there and promote the game better because this – and last night I'm watching the college football playoff, right? Sean McDonough, Rose Bowl, and, uh, and later on on Saturday it's the Texans <laughs> and the Colts. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, he, the Steelers, uh, they still are alive, but they need a lot of help to make the playoffs. He's really hyping up the Steelers-Ravens game in the afternoon. Okay, I get it. Steelers-Ravens. Is that the Ra way he's calling them? Ravens are playing for nothing. I don't know which one he's calling. Because Troy, call Troy and uh, Buck are calling ours. And Fowler and company are calling oh, okay, the yeah, uh, yeah. early one. So, no, it's not McDonough. Maybe it should be. But anyway, then he said, yeah, and later that night the uh, Colts and Texans uh, play for uh, with with playoff ram ramifications, he wow. called it. No, it's a freaking <laughs> playoff game. Hype the game, but it's the Texans and the Colts. That's just the the lack of respect this division's going to get. Even though you have three winning teams, Colts have beaten the Ravens. By the way, I know the Texans didn't, but I'll trump it up their victory over the Ravens. 
and they've had an impressive season. They get their would-be starting quarterback knocked out week two right here at NRG Stadium. We got Minshew playing. Oh, good. Oh, wait a minute. Not so good because he plays well. They are, look, they're different. Everybody's different than week two. They're a little bit different. We are a lot different here. That was before Stroud really erupted. And now you have a different kind of Texans team taking on this Colts team. Good against the run. Got to be good against the run on Saturday night. You kind of touched on it, but let's take ourselves outside of the greatest city in the world, Houston, <laughs> like we've all agreed, and look on, look at it from the national perspective. Whose season do you think most people feel is having the more magical season with everything that you just mentioned about the Colts? Clearly the Texans. Yeah. Because, the, of, because of the quarterback, because yeah. of where the Texans have been the last few years, clearly yeah. the Texans. I, okay. I, I agree. But it's but more magical. I, it's, I think the Colts might be ultimately a little more surprising given – They've had the success with Gardner Minshew yeah. because people can say, well, yeah, that's C.J. Stroud. He's the second pick of the draft. He was, he was right. great at Ohio State. That makes sense. But Gardner Minshew makes it a little trickier. I think the Texans, no doubt, are having the more magical season, and everybody sees it that way. But I do think the Colts are doing something really incredible here when you look at Gardner Minshew. Really? Right. Right. You got nine wins with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, you might have ten. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's been out huge chunks of the year, had the whole offseason squabble with the squad. But here's the subtlety of it that people don't realize. You look at their offensive line. The band is not all the way back together, but they're back together. This is if, if their line when they were going good is the Eagles. Well, this is the Eagles with Glenn Fry out, obviously. But you have Vince. What's his name? Jeez, what am I? How am I? Eh, Amy Grant's ex-husband. Vince Gill. Vince Gill impersonating Glenn Frey. You have all that. They're, they're touring, and they've got most of the band back together. So this line is playing well for the Colts. They're running the ball well enough. And defensively, they got some animals there. I mean, you know, you got the Forrest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, you got EJ Speed. Those guys are yeah. awesome right now. You got four now. guys that have seven sacks or more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's pretty, pretty stout stuff. Yeah, that that's kind of what makes me nervous is when yeah. you talk about the versatility because you never know where the pass rush is coming from. And that's the case with most good teams, even with the Texans. It's, as much as Will Anderson's having an amazing rookie year, and I love the fact he had those back-to-back -back sacks. Great call, by the way, on that, Mark Vandermeer. I heard that one. But, uh, you know, when you look at the Colts, it's like, okay, which one of these guys is just – once you get them on one-on-one, -on -one, they have four guys – that can beat the majority of offensive linemen in the NFL with one-on-one -on -one pass rush. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a nightmare yeah. there. Let me ask you this, ND, because this is different. Drew brought it up. You had noon starts all season long, and now you go at night on a short week. Okay, short week is one thing. We'll get to that. But just going at night, and I asked both Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans about being in the hotel all day, and that's a different dynamic. You had that in the preseason, but it's preseason, right? This is a huge game. And D'Amico said they'll do chaplain mass early. They'll do some meetings. They want to get them off their feet a little bit. But it's still waiting around all day to play that night on the road. What do you think? Me personally, I hated night games. And okay. when I was in Philly during our, our run, mm -hmm. we had a bunch of night games because we were in prime time. And you understand everyone's watching. So you get excited about that. Yeah. But the reason I say I hate it, and maybe that's a little too strong, I'm so excited and most players are so geeked the day of a game. You just want to wake up, go grab something to eat and go play. Yeah. And there's just so much waiting around. You have to get used to it. I remember I would try to watch a movie day of the game uh -huh. just to try to kill time. I think these guys, though, 
because they're young, uh, the magical season that they're having, they're going to be so excited playing in a primetime game. They're going to be so excited knowing that they're the only game on ta- in town, you know, for everyone to watch that – they're not going to get too down or too tired. You can get tired waiting around for a game. It's sure, weird. Yeah. Like, sure. emotionally, I'll never forget, Andy Reid will always tell us, like, hey, don't watch too many football games. I don't want you to drain your emotion. And when I oh. first heard that, I was like, what does that mean? But then I kind of got it. Like, you you, you want to save and bottle everything up because uh, football is such an emotional game, such a physical game. You want to so bottle it So were you just, like, napping and watching PBS all day? You, you, know, you know what? Just uh, you get off your feet. They, they always did a show. great job. We'll do, like, a walk through just to kind of get you off your feet. I watched a movie that didn't have anything to do with sports. Other people, mm. you, you know, everyone prepares a little bit differently. But for me, I just wanted to get my mind off of it until about two, three hours. That's when you start to focus. That's really well said. It's probably good to watch mind-numbing entertainment, oh, right? Is, yes. you know? And I'm very good at this, by the way. <laughs> numbing the mind with mind-numbing entertainment at night, just putting on a TV show. That, uh, and it, even for me, I like to wake up, get something to eat, drink some coffee. Let's go do it. Yes. Let's go knock this out. Yes. Because I'm like an expectant father. I got to get this baby out. <laughs> Come on. And you just want to do it. You just want to be out there. But, you know, the better the team is, the more of these situations you have. And that's just life. And it's good. It's good to be in that situation. That means you're a good team. But we've had some wild ones. It, there's nothing like coming back from a primetime road game with the victory. You know, Jets on Monday Night Football in 2012, and you know I can name a lot of others, Cincinnati Week 2, 2017, and all that. But this one, oh, my gosh. I will not need the plane if they come away <laughs> with this victory. I'll just fly by myself, okay? You and about 53 other players, like, yeah. if they get this victory – I would love to be on that plane right on the way home because that's just going to be a party in the air, a well-deserved party in the air. But again, maybe it's the player in me because I'm so excited as a fan. I'm so excited being behind this mic. I got to keep reminding myself, like, you know what? As excited as we are, they're excited with the Colts because they're saying yeah. everything that we're saying, and they're saying, yeah. oh, and we get this opportunity at home, which will make it that much sweeter for the Texans, mm-hmm. like you said, to party on their field and to do it away. Well, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, was telling me you could get tickets last year to that regular season finale game for 15 bucks or something. He said, now put a couple more zeros after that <laughs> yeah. because yeah. these are tough tickets to get the good seats there at Lucas Oil Stadium. Everybody's pumped up for this one, and rightfully so. And I think that, you know, going back to this whole what's the more magical story thing, they have a case that it's a very magical season. It's Shane Steichen's first year. It's Minshew doing what he's doing. But my point was they have more athletes from when they were last good, and even two years ago they had a winning season, coulda, woulda, shoulda made the playoffs and all that with Carson Wentz. The year before that they had Phillip Rivers. They have a lot of those guys left who are really good playmakers and established vets. They still have a nucleus of players like that. Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they have these guys, right? The Texans... It's not like this is a pop-up show, right? But the Texans have so many new players, and they're building, and they've built it up quickly, but they're headed in a great direction here. No matter what happens Saturday night, you feel like the whole thing is moving in a positive direction. Let me ask you both a tough question from their point of view. We talked about the one-year deals Mm -hmm. here with the Houston Texans and how it's going to be tough. Not even tough. It's going to be exciting to see what transpires during the offseason with some of these guys from the Colts. What do you do with Gardner Minshew in the offseason? 
That's a good question. You want to get to that uh, next? Yeah, let's do that things? on the other side so, right. so y'all can get the calculators out and, and try to figure out how much you're going to offer him if you're running that franchise. But right now, we are running all access right here only on Sports Radio 610. Welcome in. Welcome back. One more segment to go. Texan All Access. I'm Indy Kaluhi. It's Drew Doherty and Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. All right. I asked the question out there. Mm. All right. So uh, if Minshew should stay or what do you do with Minshew? What do you do with Minshew with the season that they've had? Now, if he has another meltdown Saturday night, it's pretty easy to say, OK, we'll maybe re-sign him as a backup. We'll go to Richardson. We'll take our shot next year. Whatever. They have a winning season regardless, just like the Texans do. I think if he does well, let's say they win or let's say he plays well in a loss or something. They've got a real issue here because Richardson, they drafted him for a reason, but he gets hurt a lot. I think they have to ride with Minshew a little bit next year and just say either it's a competition or, I don't know, we're going to work Richardson in. It's a really tough situation. You know who has a tough situation as well? If he plays well, he meaning Joe Flacco, the Cleveland Browns, they have all that money invested in number four. But if Flacco takes them on a deep run and doesn't play badly in, you know, whenever they do lose or if they go all the way, my gosh. But if they lose at some point, but it's not because of him, let's say, I don't know how you don't bring him back for something for an appearance for, I don't know, insurance or if there's a controversy, I don't know. Because clearly, Watson, the the number is ridiculous. Denver had a ridiculous number on Wilson, but the Watson number is gigantic. It's if if the Wilson number is the GNP of a so, small South American country, uh, it, this you're talking about China with right. Watson. I mean, this right. is humongous. Well, if Minshew plays really well mm-hmm. this weekend, and regardless of what happens, but if he plays really well. Has he played himself out of Indianapolis? Can he get more money elsewhere? That's, He'll be an that's unrestricted free agent, Drew. That's You're what I'm right. saying. You know, like, does he want to come back Ooh. there, or does he want to get some more money elsewhere? Maybe it's in a better situation because, as we've seen here, backup quarterbacks really, really matter. I mean, so, where, would, where would this everywhere. season have been? Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Where would this season be right now were it not for Case Keenum and what he did at Tennessee? Maybe yep. things are different against, but anyways, splitting in those two games huge had to happen at uh-huh. the very least. Absolutely. R- regardless of how Minshew plays, when I threw out that question, I don't think now. Obviously, him as a competitor, mm-hmm. he's thinking I could go start somewhere. But when I threw that out there, I didn't think that any the Colts or any other team would look at him as a starter, but more as a quality backup quarterback that you want on the roster. So I could still see a scenario where. They still ride with Anthony Richardson. You know, you drafted him as high as you did, mm-hmm. uh, but you bring in Gardner Minshew to be that insurance policy, and you're going to have to pay for it. So, I, again, I'm trying to think of all the teams as I'm talking, which probably yeah. isn't good radio, but I can't see a team says Gardner needs to be our starter. I, but I do think that he could play himself into a nice, comfortable contract as a backup. You know yeah. what it could be? One of these teams drafting one of these young quarterbacks, yeah, Drake May or whatever, and maybe not – Michael Penix or maybe not Caleb Williams, but maybe somebody a little bit down the line, maybe a Bo Nix, but you also bring in a Minshew, just like the Colts did with Richardson. And maybe they do it with Minshew again, but just like the Colts did with Richardson, where you have Minshew there to maybe start and eventually be replaced. Or if he does great, you just sit the guy for a while and 
All, take all, it from all things being equal, though, yeah. If I'm the Colts, I bring him back. But yeah. he, I'm saying he could he could maybe make more money somewhere else. And I don't know if it's as a starter, or as a backup, but he might see a better situation for himself financially uh, and team wise. And he's right though. No one's bringing him in to say that's our starter. Right, Put right. him on all the posters. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who's going to keep the seat warm. <laughs> but he might play well enough to keep the seat warm for a while. Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Now mm-hmm. Smith was really established, but that kind of thing, if you will. I think I could see that. No, I like what you said, that whichever team has to rely on one of these young quarterbacks to bring Mm -hmm. in a Gardner Minshew. I I can definitely see that. And, boy, Michael Penix looked so good last (laughs) night. That guy. Credit uh, to Andre Ware for calling that a long, long time ago. He called that shot a long time ago. Years ago, yeah. And I'm going to say it right now. If I'm – well, Chicago, it's a weird situation with Justin Fields. But if I'm looking for a quarterback and I have the choice between Caleb Williams and Michael Penix, I'm taking Penix all day long. Yeah. I'm not saying Williams is going to be bad. Maybe he's going to be fine. But based on everything I've seen, I want Penix to be my quarterback if I have a choice of any of these young guys. That said, I am so glad C.J. Stroud is our quarterback (laughs) because you can't assume that any of those players or any player, period, is going to rise up to the level of Stroud in his first year. They need to figure out a way to bottle or understand what makes C.J. Stroud tick Mm-hmm. and see if they can find that in any of these other college quarterbacks. Because there's always these questions about – there's always going to be questions about all these quarterbacks. But yeah. what's really amazed me about C.J. Stroud is, is are the intangible, his maturity, looking at him in the huddle. He doesn't seem phased. He just reminds me of a seasoned vet, the way he carries himself. Yeah, think and, about all he's went through growing up. I mean, that yeah. that alone, yeah. that's going to that's gonna sand off a lot of rough edges on some people and, and drive other people to – to misery and to, to other, th- I mean, he has really risen above some tough, tough circumstances. That that alone has been amazing. So, you know, that's that's one of the things that off the field that impresses me the most, like what he's risen above and and, and persevered through. The press conferences. Yeah. Yeah. I'm writing down senior quotes <laughs> from every appearance he makes. I'm like, that'd be a good yearbook quote. That'd be a good yearbook. And, and I say that in a complimentary sure. way because he says some really insightful things. Yeah, he's profound at times. Yes, yeah. he's 22 years old. He just turned 22, and he's just he's just spitting wisdom, you know, up there at the podium and playing unbelievably well. What do you think, as somebody who's been in the league, when he said, it was early in the season when he said, you know, I'm I'm not just the quarterback. I'm not just the leader of the team. I'm, I'm helping people make money for their families to help change their, you know, their life directions. I mean, that... I've never heard anybody say that before as a quarterback. You know, you haven't heard any other quarterback say that, but for that to come from a rookie, exactly. and it just lets you know that I, I like to say he's been here before, <laughs> whether that means, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, he's in a different life, which I don't believe. You know, he's been around because he's so mature and so yeah. young. Uh, he just really understands and grasps this opportunity that he has as an NFL quarterback, and you just appreciate it. When I had a chance to interview him before one of the preseason games, he when you ask a question, you could almost see and and hear the wheels in his brain spinning because he thinks first. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. just and he's spit looking out. through like, you when you're asking. Yeah, he, he's looking yeah. through you. He's really thinking about the answer, and you can tell that this is a cerebral human being, and that's what you want at your quarterback position. Yeah, when I first met him in the hallway in the off season, he wanted to know what I did. Hmm. And he had me repeat my name so he could get it. Nice. Now, I don't really see him that much. It's funny because I don't see him in the cafe that much, cafeteria, whatever we call it. I don't see him. I I don't interact with him that much. And I'd love to be able to interview him every week, but maybe someday that happens. But I I took note of that. Mm -hmm. And 
one player that reminded me of was D'Amico Ryans. Because as a rookie, D'Amico wanted to understand everybody in the organization. It felt that way anyway. Right. And I think CJ is a similar way. And it's very cool to see for such a young man to have that. Yeah, it's it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about both of them being named captains. That was, while that was surprising, it wasn't stunning. Because you know I was in Kansas City on draft night and... I'm one of the first people they got to interview them after they kind of did the Goodell hug and the the on cam. They came over and both of those guys, Anderson and Stroud, you shake their hand and they're looking down at you because they're they're big guys, but they're looking you straight in the eye, giving you a good firm handshake. What's your name? Like Mark said, repeat mm-hmm. it. What do you do? So it was, it was atypical because most of those guys are they're on cloud nine. They've just yeah. been picked in the and they're yeah. exceptionally happy, but they were taking a moment out of their joy to figure things out and kind of get to know a little bit more about the lay of the land. All right, well, I'm not leaving this joy of the Houston Texans playing in what I'm calling a playoff game against the Colts this Saturday night. It's been fun to chop it up with the two of you. We need to do it more. Thanks for listening. This has been Texans All Access. Hello, Texans, and what a wonderful opportunity. This is an opportunity like the head coach talked about, like many of the players have talked about. But our opportunity, this show, is just to talk about everything going on with this colossal matchup on Saturday night at Indy. Me trying to keep my emotions in check. Yeah, not yeah. Not easy. I, 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 you've got to do that. Okay. I hate to, I hate to do that to you. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought about right, this. Tell me. Tell I me. thought about this. Um, I thought about this yesterday. All right, go. Uh, on Monday, like. Game Saturday, which is good. It's a day earlier. Yeah. But my goodness. Right, right, right. Because I can't but we gotta, waiting. But we got to bottle it up until then. Really? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. We got to yeah. bottle it yeah. up until then. Yeah. Big games, you got to bottle them up. You can't get, you can't, you can't, know, can't play the high. game Friday night. Yeah. You know, you got you to play yeah. it Saturday night. And it's you know. tough. It's tough, Johnny. Yeah. It's tough because. I, it Think I, about, it I, happens, and I, I'm sure fans feel the same way where you get so excited. You're just driving around in your car. You think, oh, my gosh, and then you got to reel it back in because right. it's not here yet. Right. It's not here. Right. It's not here. I mean, I'm watching college football last night, and I have no dog in the fight. You know, I support the Longhorns and all that, and I like Craig Way, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not going to feel pain if they lose. I'm just not. Correct. I like Sark, actually. I do. I like him. I like his journey that he's turned his life around. Yeah, good point, yes. And and he's turned them around because I think, you know how I feel, they should always be there or at least be there every year, every third year or so at least. And so should the Aggies, by the way, but that's a whole other subject. But I don't really – It's not. I'm not going to say I don't care. I care about football, but I don't feel pain when they lose. To me, and you know, this is my right. ultimate test of being a fan. People say, I'm a fan of so-and-so. Do you feel pain mm-hmm. when they lose? That's how you know you're a fan. Yep. If you feel pain when your team loses, because I could jump on anybody's bandwagon. Sure. And, oh, this is a great ride. And then if they lose, I'm getting off the bandwagon now. Have a nice day. But if you feel pain when they lose, you know you're in it. I'm glad you said that. I put that to the test with my fandom of Manchester City back in, I think it was 2018. <laughs> It was kind of newfound because I had seen documentary. I think it was on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, where they followed them all throughout the season and everywhere. And I just fell in love with the team, how they played, the guys. I fell in love with Pep Guardiola, manager. And I just—that's really when I kind of my love of Premier League soccer really yeah. started. And I had realized that I had missed some some big time games before that. I couldn't figure out the whole Champions League versus Premier League and the Cups and all that. I got all that down now. But I remember we had a game, 
and I we? was what the Texans. We had a oh. game, and so I was up in my office watching Manchester City play before our game. Yeah, and they got hosed on a VAR call. So basically, the review. Mm-hmm. Would have given them a lead in the 85th minute. They're going to win this game against Tottenham, and VAR takes the goal away, and I am furious. I am just like, you can't, you got to be. And then I realized, okay, I'm a fan. I'm okay. like, that's my team. That's good. I'm a fan. That's the test because I felt pain that that win was taken away. So yeah. even though Matt Burke wants to pull me to the Liverpool side, it won't happen. I'm on the Man City side. I will stay in the Man City side. I love that he loves Liverpool. Liverpool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. But let me ask you this about Premier League real quick. So there's no playoff. It's only one winner. Correct. And everybody else comes in second or worse. And it's a big league. It's 20 so, teams. Yeah. 20 teams. But that's it feels so empty. You finish third, you feel awful. Well, here's the thing, though, and this is what they've done really, really well in soccer. The top four teams will go to Champions League. So you okay. play extra games, though. Well, yeah, right? that's but but Champions League, like it, that's your top being top four. That's like a special invite in the Champions yes. League. And so that's like a season long playoffs with other right. European international wonderful exactly. clubs. Very yeah. Exactly. The next four are in the Europa, which is kind of a step down from Champions League. Oh, I didn't know. So the yeah. Europa Cup so, is those guys? So it's Europa the is the next four, five through eight. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Then your bottom three are fighting for relegation. Your bottom three. Yeah, your yeah, bottom yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. So you've got your top teams fighting to get in that top eight so they can get in Europa. They can get in Champions League and then play for something, as they would say. Like, you win champions, you're the champion of Europe. Uh, I mean, so it's, that's a big deal. So top eight, you're in these leagues. Right. Bottom three, right. you're relegated. So that's 11 of 20. So nine are in no man's land, kind of, and you're trying to get better for next year. Yeah. So okay. the only, That's fair. Th- that's similar percentage-wise, probably, mm-hmm. to what's going on in the NFL. Essentially, the top eight are going to make the playoffs Yeah. in Premier League. Bottom three, get relegated. So, I mean, you're not going to have relegation in the NFL. You don't have it. It would be interesting if you did. But... Um, I think that's what keeps those teams like Mark. I, I've seen matches of teams sitting on the relegation line, needing a win, and the joy of staying up is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible to get that win. I I can't remember who it was last year. I was watching. Maybe it was Nottingham Forest. I think, and they were playing uh, maybe Newcastle. I can't remember, and they had to win to stay above the relegation line. And when they won, there was a celebration like they were going to the playoffs. Yeah. Like they had won the AFC championship. Beautiful. It was incredible. And that's what those teams down there are playing for. Now in the NFL, you know, like we found out last year in week 18, what are you playing for? Yeah. You know, you're playing for pride. You're playing in, you know, you can say all those cliche things. But you're honestly, the way the draft is set up, and obviously Premier League doesn't have a draft like that. So it's not, they're encouraging winning at that point. If you had relegation in the NFL, man, some of those games would be incredible down the they stretch. Would. They would be incredible. I just don't know how you would do it. I don't know how you would figure that out. So I, I don't even I feel mess like with that. the bottom five in the NFL, maybe the top team. That'd be awesome to have playoffs for the draft choices. Oh, could you imagine that? Oh, my that? goodness. Playoffs. You win it, for, you get the number one. Yeah. So, so bottom four teams. Yeah, let's play do in it. a three-game playoff let's concurrently with the playoffs. Yes. And the winner, the you, winner gets the number one pick. Guess who's watching those games? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody's watching. Everybody. 
And everybody. It's weird because there's Davis Mills quarterbacking your team last year in this Mm -hmm. hypothetical scenario, and he's trying to win you the number one pick to select somebody who's going to take his job. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of weird. But you know what? Offer some bonus money. Yeah. Make it interesting. I mean, it's. Yeah. Listen. How about Carolina this year? You're playing for the Bears pick. I know. <laughs> well, they can't get and they they're the worst team in the league. That mathematically it can't happen. So the Bears already have that pick. The Bears yeah. can the Bears can sit at home and not have to worry about what Dave Tepper and Carolina are gonna do. All right, so but, where where I play hoops, there's yeah. a guy who's a huge Packer fan. And oh. you know, I was talking to him about their situation. They're winning in against the Bears. Against yeah. the Bears it's this weekend. It's the second straight year for the Packers against an NFC North team on the last day of the year. At their place. Winning in, yeah. Exact yeah. same situation. Lions last year, Bears this year. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, here's another thing. And look, we're all over the place, but it's Tuesday night. And that's what we do. So with what we saw last night from Michael Penix, who Dre loves. We, we've known this for a couple of years now. Was he not good? He was amazing. Oh, he's incredible. I don't know. If I'm the Bears, I don't know how I'm not picking him. I don't know how I'm not doing it. I know Fields is playing better lately, but geez, I'm looking at Penix. This guy is good to go. He could have come out last year, yeah. but a top three, four, mm-hmm. five, whatever. But now, and and what's going to happen with Caleb Williams? Johnny, all right, draft evaluator. Ooh. This changes things. It's kind of like the Stroud-Georgia game solidifying things or maybe propelling him up. I don't know. Whatever it did for him, yeah. but it clearly was a big moment for CJ. Even though they lost, he played great against that masterful team. But with panics in this playoff, now I know they're a solid team top to bottom, no doubt. But he looked amazing, 400-plus, all the rest of it. Texas didn't do anything that I I thought they should do. First of all, they they didn't heat him up. Mm -hmm. And I know they were trying to give their secondary some help. But they didn't heat him up. And but if they, they had got watched back there a few times and he's able to like, whoop, whoop, I know he around. did. He did. But where did he always, always, always go when they got pressure? Left. Yeah. Yeah. He went left. Oh. I said on Orange Bloods, when I was on one of them Orange Bloods Live, Jeff Ketchum and Chad Hastings, I said, you got to push him right. You've got to rush him and force him to go right. Just like a right handed quarterback yeah. sometimes you got to go left. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's one of those, like, there's some right handed quarterbacks that like going left because mm-hmm. they like that sidearm stuff. Okay. That's not Penix. Penix is not like going right and then throw. He doesn't. He likes going left and throwing, and that's what he was doing. But I'm telling you, I said this a few years ago uh, when Josh Allen was coming in the league. I said, when he comes in the league, he'll have the strongest arm in the league, no doubt. When Michael Penix comes in the league, it's going to be really, really close who's got the strongest arm. So, a couple of things. Number one, Caleb Williams hasn't declared yet. He's coming back. I mean, he's coming to the draft, right? No? Maybe. The offer will be that good? The NIL money I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I would would imagine that USC's got some money in the collective somewhere. but But I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to play for Chicago. And here's the other thing. We don't even know that Chicago will make the pick of Caleb Williams. Did you hear the fans the other day in the game against who they play in? The, was it Atlanta they were playing the other yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. The entire stadium was chanting, we want fields, we want fields. Yeah. They're yeah. saying, we want to keep him. And how often is it that the fans want to keep the guy that you have? You always want something new. Yeah. So that's going to be the first thing is, what do you, what do, you do about that? So, okay, we're going to stick with Justin Fields. Well, then all of a sudden... Come on, interested buyers. Let's let's make a trade. Oh, so, yeah. so Caleb hasn't declared yet, but he's also said, I'm not really sure about going to Chicago. And at that point, I'm like, I don't know. But here's what's happened. Caleb Williams is kind of Caleb Williams was up here. And I got my hand above the microphone. Okay, about a foot above the microphone. Drake May was close, maybe an inch or a half behind him. 
Drake or Caleb Williams kind of did a steady climb. Drake May did kind of a steady climb. Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix slope is going through the roof. Yeah. So if Caleb Williams comes out and you got Caleb, Drake, Caleb Drake, uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Yeah, Bo Nix is up there too. That's a strong top five. It's, it's a good class. That's it's a, a strong class. top five. And now it's going to come down to, okay, we've got other candidates in this thing that have got stronger backgrounds. Well, not, I don't know if backgrounds is the right word. But they've got stronger football character and some of the character things that people might find with Caleb. You know, Caleb's, Caleb's a little different. You know, paints his nails. I mean, he's very emotional. I mean, all those kind of things you're going to have to learn to deal with. To me, Caleb Williams is still number one. He's a magician with the football. And I know you're going to have to get him to do things in structure, but man, you know, Andy Reid didn't fight that with Patrick Mahomes and look where, it, look where it's gotten. Them. Let's say the Bears don't trade the pick. Let's say they don't pick a quarterback. They got to trade this pick. Wait, they who's the number the one non-quarterback? Marvin, Marvin Harrison? Harrison Jr. No, I would like that. Like, take him. Take him. Keep him out of the AFC yeah, South, yeah, please. Yeah. Get him into take the, to the NFC. Even though we'll see him at 24 because we see the Bears. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. take I don't Marvin Harrison Jr. A year. I don't want to see thing. him in an Indy uniform. But I'll tell you what. You watch that Washington, uh, Washington, uh, Texas game, right? Mm -hmm. How many dudes? Jalen Polk had a couple of touchdowns. Oh. He was tremendous. Jalen McMillan is tremendous. Roma Dunze is top ten to me. I, I texted you guys. I was like, could you imagine Nico Tank Roma Dunze with passes from C.J. Stroud? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Then on Texas side, you got um, Adnay Mitchell and you got Xavier Worthy. You got you had dudes all over the place on that team and. I think Mitchell and Worthy will come out. You've got receivers all over the place. Well, but, where the Texans are oh, drafting, let's just hope there's somebody there. There will be a receiver there. Malik okay. Neighbors, maybe for those. There will be a receiver Later there. Later in the there, first round. There will be five or six, if the Texans wanted to go receiver. Mm -hmm. Strong in receiver. I don't know if everybody will declare it a defensive tackle class, but, man, I saw Byron Murphy last night from Texas. That was the best he's played all year, and he's been tremendous all year. That was the best he played last night. Oh, he's a people he's mover. He's incredible. He can move guys around and get inside you know who he and mess things up in the backfield. Did you get, I think I texted you guys. My comp for him is the guy it? we'll see Saturday. Buckner. Grover Stewart. Oh, Grover Stewart, the yeah. other one. Byron Murphy is Grover Stewart. Oh, gosh. Oh, could you imagine us with a Grover Stewart with I've, the guys we have? Oh, man. I've got some questions for you about the Colts defense in just okay. a second here. But but back to the draft here. I don't know why we're on this, but we are. We're all over the place. Bears, no QB, let's just say. Washington, okay. yes QB. Okay. Right? Yep. New coach, new quarterback. Mm -hmm. Patriots, definitely a quarterback. quarterback. So there's two. Right. Cardinals, uh, no, no, no. Okay. Stick with Giants, maybe. I think they got to do it. Giants got to entertain the thought for sure. Yeah, look, for Denver sure. eating Russell Wilson's contract is going to pave the way for. Hey, it's okay. These well, things happen. What, read those teams again, starting with Washington. Okay, Washington second. So, okay, now stop with Washington for a second. Yeah, Russell Wilson is from Virginia. Grew up as a Redskins fan. Listen, I could not, if if I'm Josh Harris, the owner of the Washington Commanders, I would say, you guys aren't doing this. We're not, we're not doing okay, this. Okay, but what if you get him for a really cheap contract because the Broncos are paying all his money? A guy. I'm still drafting no, one I'm of still drafting sexy a guy. quarterbacks. Yes. I'm still draft drafting a guy. I need a sexy quarterback to sell tickets, to give me some upside. The stock is well, going to go high. Let's go. If the Bears don't trade the pick and take Marvin Harrison Jr., which I think would, now look, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a great pick for the Bears. But the Bears don't trade out of that pick with the quarterbacks that are in this draft with teams that might want it. And they could build that thing for a long time with a lot of yeah. first-round picks. 
and it just it all depends on how they feel about who's going to trade with them though. Right? Who's Who, going to trade? It's funny. Well, the Bears wait, wait also have the tenth pick. Right? Who's after Washington? Who's that? Go New order. Okay. Washington, New England. Right. Then the Cardinals, Giants. Okay, so three of those four are going to be in the market for a quarterback. So if they're in the market for a quarterback and they really like one, they may need to get up to number up. one to do it. Or you stand pat and you just take one just of the take other the guys. Guy that, exactly. It's a game of guts poker in some CJ's sense. CJ's success is going to have a lot of people thinking, well, he was the second pick. And right. a lot of people didn't think he was good. And they're going to talk themselves into this guy could possibly pull a CJ Stroud. And I think it's easier said than done. We Very. know this. How many guys have we seen who have the kind of blast-off start that mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud yep. has had in his career? It's highly limited. This is extremely rare what you're seeing. So buyer beware if you think one of these, I don't care who it is, if it's Caleb Williams, if it's Michael Penix, you think this guy's going to be like C.J. in his rookie year? I don't think so. I think uh, this is really rare what we're seeing. Not that those guys oh, can't yeah. be good. No, no, you're right. I think those teams have to realize, and the owners have to realize, Hey, it's not going to get turned around like that. This dude is special. The, what the, yeah. what CJ has done this year is special. I mean, look at Bryce. Look at the other rookie quarterbacks. They've had a few moments, but CJ special. I yeah. mean, look at the the numbers he was putting up and the things he was doing. Obviously, before his before the concussion, uh, he's been magnificent. I, I go back to this, Johnny, with him. I go back to. Because I saw Watson do it a bit his rookie year as well. And Watson's a different kind of quarterback. Watson at his best. Scrambler, great runner. He's a great passer of the ball right. as well. But with CJ, it's within the context of the offense until it isn't. Right. And then it's still good. And C.J. Stroud makes throws that other quarterbacks would not attempt. Absolutely. And you, you talked about it. Absolutely. The window's there. It's NFL open, as you said. Uh, he'll go ahead and throw that dart. He'll take that chance because he's very confident and capable of getting it there. And everybody feeds off of that. I know the ball's coming to me. I better get ready. That is a beautiful thing. Let me give you a great example of that. So I just went and I did tell Strader. I did tell Strader the Brevin Jordan touchdown. And as I'm watching the touchdown, I realize, okay, wait a second. Dari's in it running back. I, don't, I was like, is this a third down play? I, like, I didn't remember it being a third down play. It was a first down play. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that's right. They had gotten the third down conversion prior to that. The conversion, because Dari was in the game, and then they hustled back up to the line of scrimmage because they had him in a, in a formation they liked. And they had a play call they liked. So they went with it. I was like, wait, what happened on this third down conversion? So I went back. So this is how good and advanced C.J. Stroud is. The Titans came out and played man. They played two man. And on the far side of the field, they had Sean Murphy bunting was going to play a trail technique, which is essentially, it's a great, it's a fun technique to play for a DB because what you do is you let the receiver run by you and then you kind of get in his, you get behind him. In the lane. And you get in the passing lane, basically, mm -hmm. because you have help over the top. So you basically clamp him is what right, you do. Right, right, right. CJ just zipped it right to Nico in between it. You shouldn't throw an out against trail coverage. Because there's safety help. There's safety help. And if and it's the not guy's right, it's going to be very wrong. And he zips it on mm. at to Nico about six inch, about a foot outside the, the sideline where Nico's got to snatch it, toe tap it, catch. And that's not a throw you're supposed to make against that coverage. Now, Nico ran a really good route. And he kind of froze Murphy bunting at the stem a little bit. But still, against that trail coverage, you shouldn't hit that throw. He nails it.
It's funny he because it. we see them do nails this individual it. work on air, right? No DBs in practice, but they are working on those cuts, yeah. mm -hmm. on those breaks, yep. and the throws being there. So CJ's throwing it before the break. Nico's yep. making the great cut, and it just goes to the sideline and boop, yep. right there. And you can't do anything about it as a DB, and it's beautiful to watch. That is the work they put in, the chemistry they have together, and it's so much fun to watch. And then he finds Jordan for the touchdown. Yeah, right? I mean, it's 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 really it's it's been incredible to watch. I don't know that you see that with this class of quarterbacks. I feel like these guys are all talented for different reasons, and they're going to be. I feel like this is a pretty solid, strong group. I think one guy will emerge out of there that's pretty special. Mm -hmm. Maybe two. Not like this. Not the way that he throws. Well, nobody that I've studied other than Joe Burrow, and, and that was my comp. You know that. Back in May, I, I sat in here, and I was watching two and three games of CJ, and I was like, man, I'm seeing him make some throws. That I think at the beginning it kind of looks bad, and then you're like, wait a second. No, 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 no. That's a brilliant throw. He's throwing that behind that guy on purpose. Look at him throw these balls to certain spots. I remember we went to San Francisco. End of the 2021 season, we played on either New Year's Day or the second. I can't remember what it was. I think we were playing on the second. We playing on the second in San Francisco. And so we're like, you know what? We really don't want to mess with San Francisco. So we decide, uh, me, you, Dre, Robert, we sit at the bar at, our, at the hotel. Yeah. And we say, hey, can we get food? And we had two, three TVs on. And they're playing the Rose Bowl, you know, six hours to our south. And we're watching. And I'm just watching Stroud. He's just. He's diamond throws. I mean, he's just dying, guys. He's made it. He made it throw to JSN on the sideline. I'm like, dang, wow. Because this Michigan game was so tough. I mean, it was a tough game, but I'd seen him play during the year, and I could see the growth. You could see the growth mm. after the Oregon loss. I'm watching him at Rose Bowl, and I'm like, boy, he hits JSN on the run. And that's when I was like, man, I can't wait till I study this guy this spring because I think he's got something that's a little different than these other guys. And I love Bryce Young. I really did. And I think Bryce is going to be a good quarterback. I think they've got to surround him with a better cast. But when I watched that Rose Bowl on, you know, on all 22 film, and I watched the Michigan game on all 22 film, I walked out of there going, dude, this guy throws like Burrow, man. He mm. throws it like Burrow. Mm. And I, I remember saying that to you, and you're like, well, I, you know, that's a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> and, and I know why you say that, because it, look, there aren't that. very many guys. But I was, I was convicted that guy could do what Joe Burrow does. I just felt like Bryce... Coming from Alabama, and, you know, for a lot of us, was there some helmet scouting in there? The fact that he was from Alabama? A little bit. But just everything I, I liked about Bryce. He'd always been small, but he always found a way to beat teams. And I think he's going to do that um, with a better sporting cast around him. And coaching. Right, and coaching. And I coaching. I don't know how they get along with ownership. That remains to be seen. Oh, that's a, that's a mess. He's a mess. You're throwing ice cubes at people at Jacksonville? Come on, mm -hmm. man. That is just ridiculous. you got to... You gotta. You expect your coach, your GM, your players to hold together, and you're up in the stands inciting people with that nonsense. You got. You got to stop. Mm -hmm. But point being, we got CJ Stroud. There are some dudes that are coming into this league that are going to be kind of fun. I don't think they're coming to the AFC South. Good. I don't think. Well, because you have Richardson, you have Lawrence, you have CJ Stroud. Right. I don't know what they do though. Yeah. And you know, speaking of that's them, that's a tricky one. Speaking of them. Mike Vrabel, he's safe, we think. We think. We think. But what about this performance here? What about this coaching performance that we've seen? Okay, 
So going back to last year, mm-hmm. they ended the game or ended the season seven game losing streak. Yeah. They're sitting at five and eleven right now. So they're five and eighteen in their last twenty-three, including three losses to us. I mean, is that it, uh, look, at some point you do talk about the injuries. You talk about all of that. But is that an alarm going off in the Adams family offices right now that, hey, do we have Vrabel goggles on from the time that he knocked off top seed Baltimore mm-hmm. in 2019, yep. from the time he was the top seed in 2021? Right. But it hasn't worked out. Frank Reich, how many playoff victories does Reich have? One. One. Vrabel has two, and, he, and they were impressive, beating the Patriots and then beating mm-hmm. the Baltimore Ravens yep. in 2019. Yep. But I want to go back over Reich's record <laughs> And Vrabel's record in the last couple of years, and I bet they're remarkably similar. Very all much right? so. Absolutely. And, and, and Reich was in a horrible situation in Carolina. We all know that. Indy was a total meltdown. I know they didn't make the playoffs with Wentz. They lost to Jacksonville last game of the season in 21. Should have beaten them, whatever. They still had a winning season, but uh, nobody's celebrating that. But it's interesting to me, and we all agree, Vrabel's a good coach, but are there Vrabel goggles here? I think, yeah, a little bit. A little bit, maybe. A little bit. And he'll be the first one to tell you they should do better. They should be better. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should be elite. They've had a lot of injuries, but they should be better. And this is organizational planning too, right? What was your plan last year? What was your plan Bingo. this year? Yep. You know, because last year you drafted Willis. Were you really ever going to play him? Right. Did you think highly of him? You drafted him in the third round, right? Mm-hmm. So he slipped and they took him, whatever. Maybe it was good value on the draft board that right. night. And then taking Levis this year. All right, playing Levis. But has it gone well? You can't say it's gone well. No. You know, no, not at all. banged and up a couple of times. It's awful. It feels like they got caught in mediocre land. And then when they would take some steps to, okay, we're going to take some steps back, get our salary cap together, make some moves. Then they sign a bunch of guys. They signed Brunskill. They signed Dillard. Um, they gave big money to Jeffrey Simmons, and we were like, whoa, w- wait a second. This is kind of mixed message. You you trade A.J. Brown, and, like, what are you doing? But then you bring in – you know, other veterans, you're letting some other guys walk. Like, why? It's, it's confusing. Well, it then is because you were the number one seed. Right. And you trade A.J. Brown. Right. You get Burks right away. But I don't care who the rookie is. He's not going to be A.J. Brown. No, exactly. A.J. Brown wasn't A.J. Brown right away. Right, right. Took a, a bit to mature into A.J. Yeah. Brown status. Right. So why not? I know it's a big deal, but why not hang on to him? Why not pay him? And Would have made a huge Get the difference. band back together for yeah. another run. Now, they probably thought, look. If they thought the problem was Tannehill, then address it right then. Right. Not with Malik Willis, but right. with another veteran. How did you get Tannehill? Well, he was insurance for Mariota. Right. Go get more insurance. Go get Joe Flacco. I'm just spitballing here, but maybe there was somebody else who could have helped them. There are other op- there have been other options, but the, the, to me, they kind of got caught in between, well, what team do we want to be? And I'm not saying that you designate your team to tank, but what you do is you make decisions that you can look at young guys. You make some trades so you get more draft capital. You take a look at those young guys, and you don't get caught in between of, well, we're going to you know, we're gonna draft some young guys, but we're going to bring in these veterans. Well, you're going to be right back in mediocre land because guess where the, tit- where the Titans right now in the draft? They're like seventh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's no guarantee that they're going to have their, their pick of quarterbacks at that point. Yeah. And that might be a team, and I don't know what they've got draft capital-wise. That's a team that 
they may need the punch to get up to number one with the Bears. They would have to give up way too much to do that, but they would get their pick of quarterbacks if they don't believe in Will Levis. Somebody's going to drop that's going to be attractive. Maybe they take a chance, but if I'm them and it's Bo Nix, for instance, I'm not taking Bo Nix. I'm just not. No, it's got to be a significant Isn't Bo Nix a souped up, like, I know Will Levis and here are different, but it's kind of, I kind of get the same vibe. Bo Nix can play quarterback. I guess so. Bo Nix is an athletic quarterback. He's a quarterback who's athletic. Will Levis is an athlete trying to play quarterback. Yeah, I I don't know if that's the answer. I mean, if I'm the Titans, I want Bo Nix over Will Levis, but I don't think I'm I'm not, I don't think I'm taking a seven. You know what all this does for me? Makes me so grateful Mm -hmm. that we have number seven here oh my gosh i'm so happy all right is there an emperor's new clothes aspect to this saturday night's opponent and we got to get into the national championship final four semifinals whatever the heck they're called because the championship is in this building and their presence has been noticed this week okay it's texans radio Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you Tuesday night, just stretching it out, talking about a bunch of different things related to this Saturday night's game. Texans at Indy win and in the postseason, but it really does feel like a playoff game. Every time somebody says regular season finale to me, I'm thinking, no, this is the playoffs. I really have a playoff mindset this week. It's week 18. We talked about it yesterday a bit. We have not had a Texan situation like this yet where you have the 17-game schedule and you're alive this late. Yep. And this is traditionally playoff week one, so it's playoff week one. Let's yep. go. Take on the Colts Saturday night. And you know what else I hate, by the way? This is a, a pet peeve. This is in the category of things that upset me. <laughs> the in-the-hunt thing, Oh yeah. it's not yeah, in yeah, the yeah. hunt. The, the Colts are just as much in the hunt as right. we are, right. if that's the classification. Really, you know how on the depth chart, when they don't want to reveal the starter, they'll say or. so-and-so or? Yeah. They should have Colts or Texans because right. w- one of us is getting a spot. Mm-hmm. It's guaranteed we're playing each other. Put that up on the graphic. You're not doing us enough service there because I want my publicity. Right. I want my publicity. I want the win more than anything, yeah, yeah. but you know me. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I, it, it bothers me a little bit, but all that matters is winning. It, you know, we talked. You talked about the college football playoff, and they got the national championship here. So each week, starting in late October, they have a college football playoff show. This is what the rankings are now. This is the rankings now. Yeah. This is the rankings now. It's kind of. It kind of set them up for a lot of controversy because the last how many of her rankings had Florida State in the top four. And Florida State didn't lose, and Florida State was not in the top four. Now, obviously, there's no Jordan Travis. So, okay, there's complications. But you set yourself up for issues like that. So you had the Colts in the hunt, in the hunt, or or right there at number seven. And then when we beat them on Saturday night, well, guess what? They're out, and the Texans are in. We're no longer in the hunt. We're in the game. We're in the playoffs, and so yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. There's, there's probably a way you could put that to to together a little bit better, but it's just one of those little pet peeves, maybe more than a pet. Okay, it's here, a peeve. I haven't done it yet. Is there a way? Is there a way that both the Colts and the Texans could get in? No, not at all. No, because if you lose, you're out. Now, if you tie, maybe I don't know. I don't want to look at what that. What if you tie? Ugh. What if you tie in the Carolina in uh, sorry Tennessee beats Jacksonville? Jacksonville would be nine and eight. Both teams would be nine seven and one. The Colts would win the division, but you'd have we'd have to have the Steelers lose. We'd have to have the Steelers lose. Then so we'd if have the, the Steelers lose. Win. We tie. Yeah, I think we're in. And Jacksonville loses. I'm pretty sure we're in. We're in. I'm pretty sure. 
But nobody wants to see that. (laughs) No, no. Especially these two teams. I I don't want to be sweating it out on Sunday, rooting for the Titans. Uh, I'm going to be anyway. Although I will root for the Jags if the Colts happen to get a win over the Texans Saturday night. Okay. We do not want to tie if the Jags win. So let's say Titans win. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to know. There's a way that both of us could get in with a tie. And the Ravens beating the Steelers mm-hmm. and the Titans beating the How Jags. About this? The Steelers are going to beat the Ravens. You know this is true. They're yeah, gonna the Steelers get are going to beat the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. The Ravens are going to sit everybody. The they Steelers should. have to have it. Now, yeah. it'll be interesting because this is what the Ravens faced in 2019 to a degree. The Ravens are so good that they clinched the number one seed, I think, with two weeks left to go in a season. Right. So they had those two weeks to manage. Then they had a bye week. Mm-hmm. Then they had to play Tennessee, and they and lost. They were they were totally disjointed. So I'm yeah. curious how John Harbaugh and I, I saw yesterday where Harbaugh was kind of going back and forth on. It. I just saw the headline. Not sure if Lamar Jackson's going to play on on Saturday because that's the game in front of us, the Steelers and the Ravens. Because they're going into a bye no matter what. They're going into a bye no matter what. I would sit them. And Don't so play them. There's it's playing the and there's playing. Don't. I, yeah, it's tough. No it's tough. way. Maybe you play them for a half. Remember 2009. Mm-hmm. Here, Patriots are in the playoffs, couldn't improve their stock or their 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 seating. And Brady was in and he was out. Hoyer was in, he was out. Hang on. Brady was out at the end of the first half, and then he came back. Right. I was all happy that day because I thought Brady's done for the day. Right. Let's he get the win and have the first winning season in Texans history. And I'm thinking, I'm I'm the DiCaprio meme at that point. Oh, right. what, what Tom Brady? I, I was shocked. You're supposed to be sitting. What are you doing? And Wes Welker went down in the first half, did he not? Yep. And you have Brady in the game, and Mario Williams hit the snot out of him a couple of times, and Belichick pulled him out and put Hoyer yep. back in at the end of the game yep. because hey, I cannot afford to lose Brady. What am I crazy? Right. That was. I'm sure he took heat for that up in New England, bringing sure. Brady back into the game. They didn't need it, and then they end up losing anyway, right? They got That's hammered the by the Ravens. They got Going hammered. On, yep. That's the season that they spent time with Belichick. NFL Films did. Yep. There's a great football life or whatever, one of those shows on Belichick. In fact, that kind of makes you like Belichick a bit, That looking back at that season, because you see a personality emerge there. Yep. Johnny, Emperor's New Clothes, which is an extreme way of saying – the Colts on defense, I look at all the people. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the pass rush. I'm looking at Buckner getting sacks. I'm looking at Quiddy Pay getting sacks. Yep. I'm looking at EJ Speed, who's one of the great linebackers in this league at this point. I mean, they have, they have guys. Zaire Franklin yep. has a billion tackles. But then I look at the collective here. I'm thinking, oh, they must be really good in one category or another. And then I'm looking. I'm like, running game? Not so much, right? I mean, they're 27th against the run. They allow 127 per game. Let's see. Passing stats. They must be really good against the pass. They're middle of the pack, 224 per game. Well, what about scoring defense? It's it's keeping the point total down, right? It's yep. got to be that. Nope. They give up 24.5 points per game. They're in the bottom six Mm -hmm. of the NFL in points per game allowed. Well, then it must be turnover margin. How are they doing it? Eh, They're above middle of the pack, but it's not great. They're plus three. So what gives? They're getting pressure. They win games. They've won more than they've lost. But the defensive numbers collectively aren't eye-popping at all. In fact, they're unimpressive. I wouldn't be surprised if you showed me a 7-9 and record for this team based on these numbers. 
and you you could make that case. I mm. mean, if Mac Jones makes one throw, a good throw in Germany, they lose that game. There have been other games along the way that they have found a way to win. The Titans game, they had to destroy the putter. I know. Ryan Stonehouse, they had to take him out to get a win in Tennessee. So, and that... That to me is what you realize Tennessee's broken. Like, whoa. Yeah. If you're, is, if you're allowing your putter good. to get hit twice that hard that yeah. it goes on IR. Um I think there was a there was a term that I would use in, in geometry, and it, it it applies to a lot of things, but the hole is greater than some of its parts. Like the parts are pretty good. Like, don't get me wrong. The parts are pretty good. I mean, Stuart and Buckner, we talked to Nick on uh, Monday. And he, he brings those two up. But I bring those two up all the time. I just think blocking those two is such a difficult task. I mean, D'Amico knows. I mean, he had the force for a while there in San Francisco. I mean, they had yeah. Ebicom up in San yeah. Francisco. So he knows. He knows those two guys. But one thing uh, Chris Ballard, GM, has always done is he's always br- brought in trenches dudes with elite athleticism. Mm. Lo- uh, something elite. I mean, Buckner's got elite athleticism, and then he's enormous. Um, you know, Stewart was not a guy that, you know, Nobody, nobody really knew of Stewart. He was playing at a D two school, but his grainy tape was like, "Oh my god, he's got to do that in the NFL, is he?" Oh yeah, he's going to. And I mean, he's just a brick house, and you can't really move him. So they're they're just really good together. But what they're starting to get, they're getting better play from Deo. You heard uh, Nick yeah. talk about that. Deo Dengbo, he's played a lot better. He was he to me was going to be a top fifty candidate in draft. And then he got hurt, and so it was like, mm, where do you put this guy? I'm not really sure. But at Vanderbilt, he was really intriguing because he would move up and down the line of scrimmage. He'd rush from the edge, from inside. Nobody could block him. So it's kind of a the hole is greater than the sum of its parts. But keep in mind, even in week two, when we were kind of mucking around, didn't know what kind of team we were going to be, we threw the ball well against them that day. Nico got what mm, he wanted to mm, against them. Mm. Now they've got Juju Brents, a.k.a. Julius Brents, and Jalen Jones, who Aggie fans know from last year. Those two rookies are starting, and they're playing pretty well. But this is Nico Collins they're facing. And, and C.J. Nico- Stroud matured. Right. That was week two, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, he didn't absolutely. quite turn into – late in that game, you started to see some things. You thought, huh. And then the week later, you go to Jacksonville and light them up. This is a seasoned Stroud they will be facing on Saturday night. Absolutely. That makes a difference. Absolutely. And – I don't know what the status will be for Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore, number 23, is always the guy I worry about Why? because he's so smart. He always got Deshaun, always. He was so good about knowing where Deshaun was going with the football. He just, he, I mean, he's 5'8". He's a, he's a buck 70. But if he's healthy and playing at his le- his high level, there, there aren't many players that – are better than him as a football player. He's incredible. Now, I still have Bob been, Sanders nightmares with the Colts. Right, right. Now, Kenny plays the game a little bit differently. Yeah, I know. He's not but almost, physical. But, but yeah. same because the football IQ is incredible. So he was inactive last week, but he should be back for this game. The Great. Indy Star is saying that he should be back um, for this game. But if he's banged up, you got to kind of figure that out. I just hate him kind of lurking in the secondary because he's the one that kind of keeps all those pieces together. But there's no Julian Blackman, mm-hmm. and and that's you know. And if Roddy Thomas misjudges another deep ball, <laughs> maybe that works out for us. He made again. a play last week. Look, I was on Colts Media today, 
And I urged Jonathan Taylor to retire quickly because yeah, yeah, I thought retire. for his safety. And, you know, you want to get out while the getting's good. You know, it's not quitting when you're quitting while you're ahead. And he's ahead right, right now. They have a winning record, so it's a good time to retire. All right, coming up, let's get back into it with the national semifinals and more on this game. Texans Colts Saturday night. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, keeping you company. Tuesday night fun as the Texans are in a fun situation. I mean, let's enjoy the moment here. Houston at Indy. Saturday night win and in. I love the vibe from the players. I love what they're saying. They're saying all the right things, and it's a beautiful thing. All right. Last night, college football, semifinals, Rose Bowl, Michigan knocks off Alabama. Look, I like Milrow. I really do. But I hate the Bama Crimson Tide. Sorry, local guys. Local <laughs> guys who are like a few feet away from me. I love you guys, but I just don't like the Crimson Tide. Sorry. I don't like Nick yep. Saban, really. I actually used to like Alabama a lot more before they got the Nick Saban right, right. level of good. Yeah. When D'Amico but you're played okay there. With Will I liked Mike Shula. You're, you're okay with Christian Harris and Will Anderson. No, our guys Henry, I love. You know that. John. You're, you're okay with those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, love okay. those guys. Right, you good. know that. Yeah, yeah. But I enjoyed watching Alabama lose. I didn't want to see Milrow get stuffed like that necessarily i wanted it to be somebody else's quote fault but i i blame play calling in that situation i didn't like end. that play call it was awful i didn't like what the are you play doing call. what do you do i i get it you spread them out you hope that you have a gap if there's no gap you have to have another option well and Michigan I don't did know a great job of bringing sandwich still the nickel off the edge because the the puller run a quarterback power the puller wasn't sure. He pinned the outside guy, but Sandra still was able, and I think Milrow saw him. Milrow saw Sandra still come out the corner, so he knew he had to cut it back, and he cut it right back into, boy, that guy's going to be a big-time player. 55, kid named Graham. He's out of Servite High School. Servite, a few years ago, um, they were they were incredible. During, I think it was during the COVID year, the year before the COVID year, maybe. Maybe the year after COVID. They had three dudes. They had receivers at Arizona who's going to be a first-round pick. They had a quarterback, Noah Fafita. Um, who's also at Arizona, and those guys beat Oklahoma. Mm. And they had Graham on the inside, and I'm watching them. I would watch them a lot because Servite and Modern Day were, were linking up a few times during that year, and I would watch them like, man, 55's a dude. He goes to Michigan as a freshman. It's a good year. He replaces Mozzie Smith this year, and he's been incredible. He'll be a first-round pick after next year. He's going into – he's just a sophomore. He was key on that play, and he took over that game uh, against Alabama – Alabama, and, and this this goes to, for all you young coaches out there, Yeah, okay. here's a lesson. Go. Here's a lesson, right? There's some simple things in football, right? You, yeah. Well, that are supposed to be simple. Lining up, supposed yeah. to be simple. Knowing what your assignment is, supposed to be simple. Right. Snaps, shotgun or under center, supposed to be simple. If you have issues with any of those things early in the year and you don't spend the time, extra time, cleaning it up, it will haunt you later in the season, I promise you. Bad snaps. Fix it in September. Mm-hmm. Don't let it kill you in a playoff game against uh, South Lake Carroll because you didn't try and fix the snapping situation or you didn't make some sort of plan B like, hey, we can't do these shotgun snaps, then we got to figure out how to do things under center. If you made okay. it as far as playing South Lake Carroll, you did pretty well. Right, though. exactly. That's my point. Don't let something simple like that. And that's and I bring that up because McLaughlin, the center for Alabama, has had bad snaps all year Ooh. long. Ooh. All year long. I know people saw him in the game like, oh, no, it was all year long. I know that's tough. It's kind of a physical mistake in some sense, but it's also a mental one with those shotgun snaps. But coaches out there, if you don't fix it in September, 
I promise you it will haunt you in December. Here's my haunt take, you. and it's not that hot, I think. Alabama's not that good. No, I mean, Alabama's not, not great. They're not year. the level of excellence that we've seen from previous Alabama teams. And I knew that going in. That's why I was upset that the committee let them in with the one loss to Texas, which right. also lost last night. And this is why I'm still beefed about Florida State not getting in because they were undefeated. You allow an undefeated team in. And don't come at me with a, look what happened against Georgia in the bowl game. That's, no, no, that's no. irrelevant to no, this. That's butterfly that. effect. History changed. People left. You know the rest of the story. You let them in. I don't care that the quarterback's out. You don't make that decision for them. You allow them to compete. They've earned the right to compete. What the hell is it all about? It's about you win and you're in, right? Yeah. No, and to your point earlier about the rankings, you have the rankings all season long. Ah, you know, the rankings really don't mean anything anymore now that we're in the committee room and we have to think about we have to let Nick Saban in this thing right. because we want the huge ratings. And I get that. I understand TV. And by the way, while we're on the subject of TV. Ooh, I got one for you on TV. Hold right, on. So... This is related because it's the viewing experience. Don't stop the game every second to look at something. Don't be the NBA. What are you doing? Do challenges like the NFL. Look, make the coaches decide. I don't know if that's a good call or right. not. I'm going to throw the red flag. Do that and do it in the final two minutes with the reviews because you can't stop the game every second like this. It's ridiculous. And then the... Clock has changed, but what you've done is fill it up with commercials more. The three-minute breaks. I saw this game one. I was in Aggieland, and you see the countdown clock. Mm -hmm. yeah, They'll yeah, go to break, yeah. and it's it says three minutes. I'm thinking three minutes is too long. NFL breaks yep. are 220, by the way. Yep. Oh, it's only 40 seconds, Mark. That's a lot of time. When That's you add up all, long. you do that for how many ever, 12 breaks or whatever is during a, during a game? You know what the NFL did when they went to 220? They eliminated that after kickoff ridiculous mm -hmm. break. They eliminated that, yep. which was awesome. Right. Really improved the viewing experience. 220, a little longer to wait through because they had to even things out. But it's okay. You deal with it, and it's a better viewing experience. Did you see the Jaden Blue fumble where he caught the screen? Yeah. And he got hit, and the ball is out as he is like running. Right. And they said, oh, no, he's down. Oh, my like, gosh. There were was, a couple of those last night. It was mind-blowingly yeah. dumb. Like, what? What are they looking at? That crew is, oh. Um, I have something for you as it pertains to viewing. Okay, How go How about on. this? Seven NFL Films projects reached number one across five different platforms in 2023. Ready for this? ESPN Plus, the Ravens documentary, Bullies of Baltimore. Netflix, quarterback. Max, both Hard Knocks with the Jets and Hard Knocks with the Dolphins. Roku, the pick is in, a show they did. And Prime Video had the documentary on Kelsey and the documentary on Barry Sanders, Bye Bye Barry. All right, so these Seven are... Seven projects across five different platforms. And we're number, number one. one. Number one. But not live, sport doc number one category. Not live. No, 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 yeah. no, no, Yeah, no. so sport, sport non-live yeah. programming number one. That's huge, and that means that they're incredible? not going away. They're not going away anytime soon. No, they're going to be getting more. They're going to be getting more. More NFL 30 for 30s. Ken Rogers, what more do you have? What do you got? Absolutely. I mean, and I'm at the owners' meetings every year. This is all they talk about. They they, they need to reach the, the young viewer and all that. They're dominating content. They're dominating in the off-field, and they want to because they saw what F1 did on mm -hmm. Netflix, yep. and that was a big eye-opener to everybody in sports, and now everybody's trying to get it done. Yep. Golf, tennis, all of them. Uh, I'm not surprised there, Johnny. That's no. that's a big, uh, big revelation, really. And they're going to continue to do it because clearly live, they crush everything yeah, yeah, in their yeah. path. Right. 
the Christmas ratings. Florio talking about they got to play on Christmas even if it's on Wednesday, and it's going to be interesting. <laughs> you and I came up with a plan. So did he in order to get it done, and I think they could get it done, but we'll find out a whole lot more. I can't wait, and you can't wait, and we all can't wait for Saturday night. 7-15 kick at Indy. It's the Texans and the Colts for the playoffs and we're going to be on the air 415 with the pregame Texans countdown presented by Modelo Especial and we'll have extra points for you on Friday night after Nightline on ABC 13 and on many of our Texans TV affiliate stations around the Lone Star State and beyond because I know many of you are listening from around the country and around the world in some cases and we always appreciate that have a great night everyone Texans matchup on the way. If you can't catch it tonight, catch it later via podcast on the Texans app or HoustonTexans.com. Go Texans!